Alex, I, I made a bet with Tristan yesterday. Not a bet. Huh? More of like I, I told myself. I told him. It's on the record. Okay. If, if, okay. if they release, if they announce a new Advance Wars game at E3 this year, mm-hmm. I will grab my monitor and throw it out my window. No, All right. no, break my desk in half is what I said. Oh, yeah. and throw it out the window. <laughs> okay, it's 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 on record. It's on record. I don't. I'm I'm a little worried making that audacious of a it's bet. It's actually on record now. I gotta make it part the, of the episode. No, no, no. This is gonna be like the eat your pants guy or whatever. Like it doesn't matter what kind of Advance Wars game. No, okay. It needs to be on the Switch. It needs to be on the Switch. I think Gotcha Mobile game. It just it needs to be on the Switch. No, it would totally work on mobile game. They would do it, too. No. Hey, everyone. It's time for another episode of Viewport Relay, a bi-weekly podcast where the Viewport team looks at the latest news in the gaming industry. I'm one of your hosts, Albert Corston, and I'm joined today by my hosts, Tristan Jung. Sup? And Alex Nestor. Heyo! Alright, so it's been, you know, kind of another slow week in news. I mean, we're we're entering that sort of E3 lull where kind of radio silence from everyone, but you know, we've we've picked out some good news stories today, and I think I think we have a mighty fine episode ahead of us, as usual. Alright. Uh we will start out with no, I thought we had a segment. What what did you what did you play last week? Yeah, what what did we oh, play we last have a segment? Week? Yeah. Well, that's not on the opening closings. All right. All right. Uh, uh let, let's do our usual crappy segment while we try to think of a better one. Uh what did you play last week? All right. So last week and this weekend I've been playing I think I think I said it last podcast too, but uh playing through Nino Kuni 2. I think the past weekend, I played 20 hours at least over three days. Some real dedication there. Uh, watch out for that pending review on that game. Four out of ten. Uh, mm-hmm. Oof. Too many animal ears. It's kind of been my life for the past two weeks. Alex and I just are just playing chicken. Yeah, what mm-hmm. is this, guys? <laughs> I, I guess I'll go. Uh, so yeah, in the past couple of weeks, I've been playing through uh, Valkyria Chronicles 4, uh, the Japanese version. So I've been playing that. It's been pretty fun. Uh, I'll probably be reviewing that pretty damn soon. Four out of ten. How How's the language barrier treating you on that? Uh, there was only one mission so far where I didn't quite understand, uh, what I, my objective was at first, but, uh, I got it eventually, and, uh, so far I have some basic understanding of Japanese, so it hasn't been too difficult. And any, any sneaky first little impressions, first impressions you can give us, or do we gotta wait for, for the, for the big, the big reveal? Uh... I would say if you're a big fan of Valkyria Chronicles 1, you will have a lot of fun with Valkyria Chronicles 4. Just gotta wait for it to come out in North America. Yeah, you have to is, wait until, I think, fall. Is is that was the, is there not a hard date yet on that? No, uh, I believe there is. I'd have to look it up, though. Oh, okay. Well, I, I remember it's sometime in the fall as well. Alright, Tristan. Take us home. What have you been playing the past two weeks? Alright. So, I have... No reviews to write right now. 
Hallelujah. So I've been playing some games that I, I want to play. Um, playing a lot of Siege. Um, shelled Rainbow Six. Rainbow, Rainbow Six, Six Siege, sorry. Um, shoveled over $30 to buy the year three pass so I can play as some broken-ass heroes. Um, Hell yeah. Any good waifus this season? Um, no good waifus this season. Oh. Not yet, at least. You hate um, to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. I'm I'm still trying to get better, but I I tend to play when I get really tired. Um, so it's a it's a uphill battle basically. For listeners wondering, IQ is best girl. IQ is the thick best girl. She has some really good um, costumes now in that game. Oh really? There, Do I need to start playing? Yeah. Are there costumes? When yeah. I played that game, were there costumes? Uh no. Okay, and are they like? completely ridiculous costumes like pretty out there or is it like uh, i don't even like lore friendly i don't know if that's a thing some of them are kind of weird uh okay. i think there's like a kickboxer costume doesn't really fit into the lore that much but and how much how much are the costumes oh uh i think they're like ten dollars oh that's pretty pricey i mean it's like a whole set oh okay okay i thought it was per per uh operative operator yeah and they went down like the uh the, I don't know, the CSGO route, so whenever you win and you have a special costume on, um, they do, like, a special dance or something at the end. Ooh. Nice. Ooh. I like it. All right. So let's let's get the ball rolling on, on the news. So this is a, uh, a little section I like to call the Battle Royale News Week, or Battle Royale News of the past two weeks. So... Another challenger has entered the Battle Royale arena, I guess, so-called so Battle Royale arena. Wait, wait, um, is this a bi-weekly segment? No, 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 no. Okay. This is, I mean, we could make it. Okay. If the people want it, we can do it. But please, It's please, the hot new please, thing. Please, please don't want it. Please don't want it. Um, anyways, so we have a new game from Boss Key Productions, which is Clippy B, um, famous for being one of the original producers of the Gears of War series. So his studio um, has made a new game called Radical Heights, which is an 80s-infused Battle Royale game show-themed Battle Royale. <laughs> um, so what are, you, what are your guys' thoughts on this? Um, I've seen some footage, and you've sent me some footage. It looks very wonky. That's probably the nicest way to put it. I think that's putting it very uh, softly. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, it, it's it's kind of crazy the physics currently going on in that game. But I mean, I can kind of understand what he's trying to do because obviously Lawbreakers has a story of its own to tell and just how much it uh, kind of failed. But uh, yeah, I, I can kind of understand the... I guess the appeal of a eight eighties theme—it's kind of like Smash TV from back in the day. But yeah, I, I, it's not something I would probably ever pick up and play at its current state. Yeah, and I mean, I understand right now it's in a—is it in a closed alpha or it's open alpha or open beta? I don't even know what to call it. It's in early access, which who who the hell knows what state an early access game is in um, mm-hmm. anymore? Yeah, it could be anything. The animations, definitely some of the gameplay I've seen looks a little off. Um, definitely there's some bugs in there that people have found. So, I mean, that's expected. I can get past the bugs and maybe even the animations, but I don't know. I'm on the fence about this. Uh, 
The plus I've heard people say is the gunplay feels kind of good. That's about the major positive I've seen of it. Okay, that's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. Tristan, do you think that this is the right move for Bosky Productions? As in, mainly the genre in general? Is is the Battle Royale space, it's kind of the hot new trend right now, but is it too crowded for them? Do you think they can pull this off? Okay, first of all, I think this is what goes down at Bosky. Cliffy Beat wakes up, he looks at Twitter or Twitch, and he's like, oh, we gotta do this. Hey, hey, PG. <laughs> oh, Frank, we gotta do this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you wanna try that again? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then he just tells his studio to make this thing. And I feel like that's exactly what happened with this. I mean, uh, Lawbreakers was... It's kind of like a Quake remake, right? It was a Quake game that came out during the like height of Overwatch and right. team shooters like that. And now he's just come out and said, Oh, by the way, we made our own Battle Royale game. Right when Fortnite is out. Do you guys think that... The making of this, I mean, obviously, other than the fact that the Battle Royales are becoming popular as a genre, and it's kind of the current trend in gaming, but do you think that this is kind of in response to Lawbreakers? Because Lawbreakers was very fast-paced, Quake-style, which I think caters to somewhat more of a hardcore FPS um, audience. On the flip side, Battle Royale is more of a casual genre with... A lot of, like, any any gaming level skill, people can come into it. Like, if you've ever played a game of Fortnite, let's be honest, like, most of the people don't really... It feels like they don't, they've don't. they never even played a video game if you've played a couple of hey, matches Hey, of man, some of them might be on their iPhones. You, you can't do <laughs> no, them they like se- that. they separate those players out. They're on their own servers. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it feels like some players you're fighting against, like, they're, they're having struggling, like, even moving their character around, which... Um, so do you think that moving to this casual genre is kind of like a strategic move that they thought uh, internally? Or is it just that this is the game mode and it just happens to coincide with that? To answer your question, um, I don't think this is the correct move for Bosky. I feel like they're always following the trend, right? Like Fortnite kind of did their own thing for a while. And then they're like, oh, we can reuse this to kind of copy PUBG. And it just really took off because, you know, their implementation was really good. I don't, it, it kind of feels like, uh, Radical Heights is really copying Fortnite from what I can see, even from like an art style point of view. Yeah, I'd, I'd really like to see Cliffy B and his studio attempt something like an Unreal Tournament again, or maybe even just make like a quick Quake style shooter, because, uh, Quake Champions has kind of taken a downturn in terms of, uh, player response, so there's kind of a void there still for a just, fast-paced Quake-style shooter that isn't Overwatch-style. Yeah, agreed. And on the flip side, we had Ubisoft coming out saying that for Ghost Recon Wildlands, that it would be impossible for them to make a Battle Royale mode. Um, I don't know if that's just a, an answer that they're giving in that uh, they, they're not interested in making one, but I wholeheartedly support not just tacking on another battle royale mode to every single game that's out there that can even feasibly do it yeah you definitely don't, you don't want to waste dev time i don't think i'm making something that might just uh eventually burst the bubble basically of the battle royale market like remember when league and dota were really big and then like they made smite they made paragon they made all these like moba stuff on a mobile 
literally you couldn't download a game without it being a MOBA. And I feel like we're, we're getting into that hole again. Are you saying Lord of the Rings MOBA wasn't good? <laughs> yeah, because now, I mean, uh, PC Gamer released an article of uh, Battle Royale games of 2018. And uh, there's a lot that people haven't heard of, but there's at least 15 games on this list. And just the ones that people mainly do know of. So there's obviously the big two. There's Fortnite and there's PUBG. Um, there's the granddaddy of them all, H1Z1. So that's three, uh, like most people know. And then uh, Paladins, uh, some sort of that MOBA game that Tristan was talking about with High Res Studios. Oh, did they, they actually some... make a Battle Royale mode? Yes, it's called Paladins Battlegrounds. Oh, um, well. And then there's the Isle of Nine one, which I've seen on Twitch a couple of times, which is like a futuristic setting. Um, obviously, there's Cliffy B's new Radical Heights. And then uh, Dying Light added one to their game called Blad Blood. And then there's also been the big one uh, called The Darwin Project, which I think was showcased at uh, Ubisoft's E3 last year. Okay, yeah, I remember that one as well. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just nine or eight. I forgot lost the seven. I don't know. Who can count? I can't count. Whatever. That's a lot. I can't even keep track of how many big name ones have just come out in the past year. And there are three or four more on that list that are smaller ones that a lot of people don't know of. Um I think Alex brought up a good point. Is 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 the Battle Royale bubble about to burst, you think? Bubble in the sense of all the newer ones coming out, I think so, right? All these companies right. are going to release their games. They're going to get like a, a slice of the PUBG and Fortnite players for a little bit, and then they're probably going to drop it. Um, and then they're going to never make a PUBG-style game ever again. So I think we're getting to that point, but... With respect to the popularity of PUBG and Fortnite, I think they'll do fine. It's like League and Dota right now, right? All the smaller ones died off, but they're still going kind of strong. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. And what do you guys... I, I kind of uh, brainstormed a couple of three of three previous big gaming trends, I guess, in terms of genres. Um, and so what do you... I, I, don't, I don't really know, like, uh, I guess a specific question, I guess related to this but do you think this guy that the battle royale genre is somewhat similar to these following genres uh and kind of how how they're they maybe have one or two years and they're gonna die off and i'll finally get to the list of the genres but so i had uh zombies zombie games that was really big in the late 2000s <laughs> right, yeah um moba games that was definitely eh, like 2012 2015 kind of that era mm-hmm and then I have uh, – this one's kind of a, a broader range of like over the past 10 years is class-based shooters. Um, do you okay, think that yeah. that uh, it's it, – and I think all of these kind of hit that point where they got really big and then the market sort of saturated out and sort of uh, the only the only the biggest one survived in the end. And by that I mean – uh, well, maybe not zombies so much, but mobile games. I mean, the last two sort of standing are League and Dota, pretty much. And then class-based shooters, you could argue that uh, Overwatch sort of killed all the other ones. I don't know, man. Zombies have survived, and Metal Gear survive. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody loves zombies. Konami knows best. But yeah, I think we are definitely just going to reach that point pretty quick. It's just really surprising to me just how quickly uh battle royale games have exploded in general 
just everyone's playing them apparently. But yeah, it's it's all good fun. But I'd like to see just more of the Quake style shooter come back. But I think we might get there. Fortnite's definitely a step in that direction. I think. What do you guys think about if like Battlefield were to put in a battle royale? Oh game? my god! Stop. Uh, I I don't think it would work very well. <laughs> Do you think EA? Do you think EA would try to make a battle royale game? Of that's course. An interesting question. Yeah, I'd so? say that's likely. A brand new one, or or based off of existing IP? Maybe Anthem will become a battle royale game instead of an <laughs> yeah. MMO. Star Wars battle royale. <laughs> that would actually be really cool. That actually makes sense. Yeah, that would, would be kind cool. of yeah. But all right, let's let's move on from that and. Uh, we have a, another story coming out of the Overwatch League of a player being fired, this time over sexual misconduct allegations. All right, so Jonathan Santat, uh, Jonathan Sanchez, or better known by his in-game name, Dream, 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 I can't read, Dream Casper, uh, was recently kicked off the Boston Uprising Overwatch, pro Overwatch team um, for essentially sending explicit material to an underage fan who was 14 and Sanchez is 21. Um, so I don't know. I guess my question here is obviously other than obviously anyone who's, who's an adult should be sending things to a minor. But do you think that players that now that esports is becoming a more established subject in the real world, that players need to sort of step up and, uh, Everyone's been crying how esports should be treated as real sports, but now that it's kind of almost there, do players need to start acting more professional? Well, I mean, it's like it's like a sport now because there's sexual misconduct, misconduct, right? That's, yeah, that's what it was missing. Yeah, usually it's not with minors. Usually though. it's not with minors. <laughs> no, but usually, actually, usually it's like doping stuff. Being honest, um, I'm actually surprised that Overwatch League has continued to have. Uh, this this like string of problems throughout because um, I know League of Legends has had its share as well but most of that was like you know being toxic uh, getting fined and on the other side I feel like Dota has none of this uh, none of these issues so I know Blizzard has been working really hard to kind of make this very professional um, they have like, you know, roster locking and schedules and, um, they named all the teams, right? But I'm surprised they didn't do, I, I don't know if it's a prop, uh, problem with the vetting process or, you know, these players are fairly young. So maybe they just, you know, weren't thinking straight, but, uh, it seems to be very focused out of this one league. And I'm, I'm surprised to see that happen. Yeah, it is def, maybe, maybe there's just more oversight. We don't know, but yeah. For Dota 2, the only major things I can think of is uh, some match fixing from various people and then just betting on their own team to lose, basically. Other than that, it's no major things, but the things that have been coming out of Overwatch League have just been substantially more aggressive. Yeah, uh, I recall last month a player was kicked off of a team for uh, publicly saying racial slurs. Uh, So just behavior Mm -hmm. like that, which... I mean, as Tristan said, once you're sort of, I mean, I think the Overwatch League is similar to LCS for League, where it, as a player, it feels like, hey, I've, I'm, a, I'm in a professional sport now. Like, you have a schedule, you have a team, 
uh, Overwatch League has uniforms and all that. And I feel like they, if it's just the immaturity of the players or they're young or whatever, but they, they just, they, I don't know. They I mean, to learn how to go ahead. This is not just the players, right? Like we've had managers get fired. Yeah, it, it does go both ways. Mm-hmm. I, I agree that the managers should also be held to the same standard, but at the same time, uh, they're not really sort of like in the e- they're, they're in the esports scene. But that's like saying for a football team, right? Like if a coach or like an assistant coach gets fired because he, I don't know, I don't know, whatever. I guess the example we have here is, is an Overwatch team fired uh, a manager after he sexually assaulted a woman. But I feel like the players should be held to a higher standard than the coaches. I mean, obviously, the coaches shouldn't be held to a low standard at all. But the players are the face of the game, the face of the league, not necessarily the managers. Although you should have a point that the manager should also set an, uh, an example for their team members. Right. That's That's true. Do you think that... It sounds weird, but do you think that some of these teams need, or some of these leagues need to just hire someone who can, like, a social me- not a social media manager, but someone that can train sort of the players in the league? Like, hey, this is acceptable. This is unacceptable. An ethical advisor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, honestly, mm-hmm. honestly, because I think for Blizzard themselves having these sort of stories, like they want Overwatch League stories to come out. Like when you Google Overwatch League. They want results to be like amazing Overwatch tournament has high production value, whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, like it looks amazing rather than you Google Overwatch League and it's Overwatch League player fired after sexual misconduct allegations. That's not what they want to have show up in Google, Um, especially when uh, this is kind of the first year of the Overwatch League. So it's still sort of being established. Mm -hmm. So do you think that's a worthwhile investment for Blizzard or just kind of players will be players and it's not really going to help? Oh, God, no. You can't say players will be players. I think Blizzard needs to take the Valve approach. Valve's pretty hands-on with their stuff, right? Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know what they do exactly, but I think it should be, you know, in the end, it's the responsibility of Blizzard. So they should ensure that they do all the checks or classes or advisors or whatever they need to do to make sure that this doesn't happen. Yeah, Valve, on the other hand, like, when, when you get called out, Gabe himself comes out and he comes and he says, James is an ass and we will not be working with him anymore <laughs> on Reddit. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. So quick, quick, quick little headline that came out last week. So Grand Theft Auto 5 has become the most profitable entertainment product of all time. And that's among all mediums like movies and TV and essentially, the number is $6 billion in revenue. That's a fair bit of cash. It prints money, right? This game. Hey, man, you gotta buy those rocket cars somehow. So, Tristan, as the only person here who's actually played Grand Theft Auto V... I played it, too. Uh, as the only person here who has not played Grand Theft Auto V, <laughs> can you two tell me, like... Is is this game? I mean, I don't. When's the last time you guys played? Have you played the multiplayer aspect of it? Because I, I that's sort of the main uh, draw, I guess, of the game right now. Oh yeah, at this point, everyone I think is going to be playing the online if they're playing that game at all. Uh, 
my personal experience, I played it maybe like three or four times when GTA Online came out. Other than that, it just didn't really hook me. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot to do when it came out. I understand there's like heists and other DLCs and things like that now that you can actually do do some group missions and things like that. But yeah, major revenue at this point, I assume, comes from buying basically the loan cards to get all your vehicles and other crap. Um, yeah, I, I only played multiplayer uh, with a couple of friends. I think the the biggest issue I had with it was like the amount amount of grinding you need to do to actually make money and buy stuff. Oh yeah, it, it's insane how much grinding you'd have to do to actually get the money legitimately. Um, and playing on a PS4 makes it that much worse because you're loading half the time. Um, and I I don't have a PS4 Pro. But the most surprising thing of this article is it says it's not completely clear whether whether the six billion dollars is based purely on sales or if it includes like DLC items. Oh, I bet it does. I, no, I totally I, bet it does. I think it has to, to ever reach that amount. Otherwise, I don't know who else can possibly buy the game anymore. <laughs> and I mean, I mean, you can see that this game is still big for Take-Two because last E3, didn't they, didn't they show one of the new heists? It was in one of the press conferences, right? One of the new heists for GTA V? Yes. And that was three years after, or, yeah, three years? Two years? I forgot when GTA came out, but... Um, I mean, part of it is their, like, revenue model is done so well that they can continue to release content for free, right? So, Uh to to players, it feels really good because they're just getting free content all the time. But at the same time, I guess the player base is so big that um, Take-Two is just continuously making money. Yeah. It prints money. It's like Nintendo's DS in the 2000s, man. All right. Let's move on from that one. Uh, so you guys know of Steam Spy, right? Steam Spy? Yep. Oh, yeah. Let's me see how many players are uh, still playing Lawbreakers. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. boy. Cliffy B. Let's get the daily count going. Anyway, so a update to Steam last week made it so uh, the data of sort of what's in your library and what people are playing... Uh, is now an opt-in rather than an opt... Yes, it's an opt-in, which means that unless players consent to share that data with outside sources, uh, Steam Spy can no longer reach that data. Therefore, Steam Spy, which maybe I should have explained Steam Spy uh, first, but uh, should I do that? Go for it. All right. So what Steam Spy is, is... I don't want to say is, is... So what Steam Spy is... I just did it again. (laughs) God damn it. What is Steam Spy, Albert? (laughs) No, no, no. So Steam Spy is uh, a website in which essentially scanned a lot of... all. It combed through all of the data on Steam to find out how many copies approximately of a game had sold because Steam doesn't release those statistics as well as uh, playtime and other various aspects like that. But due to this opt-in data sharing update that Steam did, uh, Steam Spy has decided to close down because its data essentially now will be wildly skewed towards players that only uh, decide to opt-in. So what 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 are you what are you guys what are you guys' thoughts on this? In this day and age where you know privacy and data is the top issue, right? 
Facebook's at in in Congress answering questions. Uh, GDPR is happening in Europe. I think as a private company, Steam could you know they they just do what, whatever they want, right? You know, like Steam Spy wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily making them profit. Sure, there might have been external factors, but at the end of the day, this is like Steam's data, and if they want to get rid of it, they want to get rid of it. Um, I do feel bad for Steam Spy and kind of like the the gamers that utilized it to make purchasing decisions but i I mean if if this is what a private company wants to do then i can't really say anything about it alex you have any thoughts i'm just trying to i'm trying to think in the actual steam client itself isn't there a way to see kind of what the top games being played are each week so there's that but there's no way of tracking sales of a game ah okay so it tracked that as well. Yeah, so Steam Spy would comb through everyone's libraries and see what games they owned, and it would aggregate that data and be like, hey, 15,000 people own this game, approximately. All right, fair enough, yeah. I can um, see that. Yeah, so one of the big rumors, uh, Tristan brought up the data privacy issue that's going on right now, and that's definitely something legitimate um, to bring up. But apparently next month, there's some big new EU privacy laws that are taking effect. That's GDPR. Um, that's GDPR? Okay. Yep. Um, so that might have affected it, as well as the fact that uh, this one's sort of a minor, not as big theory as to why they did it. But last month, um, people were combing through on Steam Spy, and unreleased games on Steam uh, have just the name of, like, Steam App plus a number on the end, so, like, 5,072, right? Mm. And so they determined the unreleased game name of artifact which is valve's new upcoming game and they were seeing how many people were playing it so last month valve released an update that automatically hid game statistic data from unreleased games on steam and people think that this was just one step further in that progress and what they wanted to do um so what i mean yeah that's just that's just you got i don't know if you guys believe any of that yeah, I I think it goes back to what Tristan's saying that ultimately Valve wants to have more control of the information that's outputting from Steam. So they're wanting to, you know, if they've got something in alpha, they don't want everybody to know about it, everybody to see who has it, things like that. Yeah, and I'm definitely on board with what you guys have said. Like, it's Steam's platform, they're a private company, it's their data, they can do whatever they want. Um, but what do you guys think about how does this affect the industry in general, whether that's devs, um, there have been positive and negative stories that have come out of uh, game developers either critiquing or praising Steam Spy for either helping or hurting their game. Do you guys think uh, that Steam Spy going down is a good thing or a bad thing or somewhat neutral? I think, to, to be honest, I think it's going to be a bad thing because now all the data is uh, centralized in Steam, controlled by Valve. Like, I'm not saying Valve is out to do bad stuff, but Steam Spy kind of provided a objective data source if you ever want to see the statistics. And since that is now gone, we basically have, like, one single source that we can choose to trust or not. Um, so it's hard for people who are trying to make informed decisions, I feel. Um, so I view it as more of a negative so do you see it as one of those things where a game on their website says 20 million players and you're like, is that active players? Is that just downloads to your game? We don't know, right? 
Yeah, exactly. So there, there's no way to verify anything anymore. And so I, I like how you brought up how there's no way to verify. I guess the bigger problem right now in general is Valve doesn't release these numbers at all. And I found one example in which they did release those numbers, and that was this past winter um, during one of the sales. They had a – or the, during their Game of the Year sales when those were going on. They had – I think it was like three categories. It was platinum, gold, and bronze or something like that. Um, and essentially the platinum games were the top 20 sellers on Steam for the year in no particular order. It was just the top 20 games. Um, unsure of – I think they – I think it was revenue generated because I remember seeing things like Dota 2 up there, which obviously doesn't cost any money. So it would have to include microtransactions. Um, but my point is, do you guys think that now this is gone, Valve should provide uh, some sort of – obviously, there's no way to fact check anymore because an external source is gone. But do you think they should release any of this data periodically or expose APIs of some sort? Yeah, I, I think in some way they'll need to reveal at least partial data to just kind of show it and then people can choose to believe it or not. I think that would go a long ways towards helping people and then make people uh, – see Valve in better graces, I think, if they were mad at the removal of Steam Spy. I honestly don't think Steam's going to do any... Valve's going to do any of that. No, uh, yeah, I know how Valve can be in terms of what they uh, let out. Mm -hmm. And sort of Valve... And, I mean, people can critique Valve, but there's another company that doesn't do this. And, I mean, that's... I mean, actually, there's a lot of companies, uh, like Origin doesn't do this, but one particular, Blizzard... Blizzard doesn't release any game statistics or... Right, yeah, you, you can't get any game sales at all from Blizzard. Exactly, or mm -hmm. player counts even, like how many players are playing Hearthstone. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, you can you can get, like, real-time data. When you log in, it usually says, like, X people playing X games, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. So that's the one mm -hmm. thing you can get for the top 100 games that are out right there. I don't know if you can connect to an API that lets you see further past the top 100 games that have players, but... Yeah, sort of a sad loss of a neat tool, I guess, over the past week. I mean, if if this actually just happened out of the blue and I was Steam Spy, I'd be so sad. Like, this guy was making... Did you check his Patreon? He makes, like, 7.5k a month off of this. Yeah, and this guy works at uh, Unreal. No, where, where does he work? He actually works for a game company, right? I recall reading an article. He, he works at Epic Games? He works at somewhere. Okay. Like a big a big game company. He he just he does Steam Spy on the side. I see. Um and as you were saying earlier, uh he did confirm that Valve did not send any prior warning before mm -hmm. releasing this update. So he just kinda got caught out of the blue by this. Well, Todd Howard, I guess you're gonna have to start building Elder Scrolls Six. Unrelated to the podcast, there was a rumor, Alex, that Todd Howard's working on a space RPG right now. A space RPG. Yep. Hmm. I see. So, he's making Mass Effect 4. Fallout 5. <laughs> it's space. Mass Effect Andromeda 2. Fallout 4.5. Mm -hmm. Alright, let's move on. Alright, so, moving to actual older video game news. Uh, Billy Mitchell, famous for his role in King of Kong, a documentary on getting the high score in Donkey Kong, has officially been stripped of all world records from Guinness, the Guinness Book of World Records as well as Twin Galaxies um, for supposed cheating on all of his Donkey Kong records. Uh, and he cheated, allegedly, by 
not using an actual unmodified arcade machine, and potentially some of the footage was uh, using a modified emulator of the game. So you guys got any initial thoughts on this? Whenever I see a speedrunner piece of news, I rub my hands together, right? Get out the get out the popcorn. I know it's going to be juicy. And this, I think, has been a long time. Like, this is a part of a longer story. I don't know if you guys watch uh, Apollo Legend on YouTube, but he's been, like, putting out a lot of videos about this. Um, I know a lot of people have some negative opinions about Billy Mitchell uh, just due to his personality and style. And it's... I don't really care what the truth is, but uh, it, it's it's always fun. I, I guess fun is not, not the best word, but it's always interesting to see all these uh, kind of records being challenged so many years, uh, you know, after they were basically verified, right? Right, yeah. So many uh, speedrunning communities come up with uh, splicing accusations and things like that. It's crazy though to see billy mitchell actually come out of the woodworks as one of these potential splicers slash just using modified hardware it's just something i didn't expect at all to see especially the guy who uh, had a whole movie dedicated to him basically but yeah it's it's crazy it's just yeah it's been juicy to follow that to say the least and so this is coming hot off the heels of last month i think it was uh todd rogers the former, he was in this Guinness Book World, World Records as well for holding the most video game uh, high school records of all time. He was also outed as a cheater, uh, removed from Twin Galaxies, which is a uh, high score keeping thing yep. uh, website, as well as Guinness World of Records. His title being stripped from him. Um, why do you guys? What do you guys think is the cause of this? Do you think it's the increase in sort of competitive speed running that's getting people interested in sort of video game records again? Oh, it's the technology. Like, back then, everything was on VHS, you know. I don't know if you've seen White Goose's, like, history lessons. Yeah, they're just taking it from, like, a hand cam, and it's all shaky and stuff. They has got the scan lines on the screen. You can barely tell what the hell's going on. It's fantastic speed running. I guess my question was more like... Why is this coming out now? These VHS types have been there for 30 years now. Why didn't three years ago, five years ago, someone be like, hey, this this looks fishy? I I mean, the um, the race car one, what was the name of that drag game? Drag Race? Yeah, Drag Race. I don't know if you saw like how they figured it out, but it was pretty uh, like detailed. It, it took a long time for them to figure it out, so... I, I think there's, you know, a lot of work streams like these just in the works. You know, people are like, oh, wow, this record from the early 2000s or late 90s uh, seem, seems unbeatable. And they kind of yeah. go into the code mm-hmm. and they start digging and then they realize, holy <laughs> like they were actually cheating. I, I think that's what's happening. Holy crap, they were cheating. Holy crap, they're cheating. <laughs> holy shnikes. Holy schnitzels. Gee winkies. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I think, and Tristan brought up, like, bringing out, like, coming out of the Wordworks, looking at the code, uh, specifically not toward Billy Mitchell's, but for Todd Rogers, one of the high scores he had was, it was a game where I think if you hit 2 million points, the game would auto- would always crash. And his high score on the game was 10 million points. <laughs> 
And there, there was go. another game where you could only get points in 50-point increments, and he had like 9 million something, 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 and 70 points as his high score. And it's like, that's that's not even possible. Yet again, some of these records stood for 20-plus years. Um, but just my I, – maybe just my – kind of what I was reiterating earlier. I think definitely um, over the past seven or eight years, just looking from like AGDQ and SGDQ events, stuff like uh, setting high scores and getting records in video games is becoming a cool big thing again. And I think that just with that rise comes people are – it's bringing more attention to these older records and people are starting to look at them and be like, Hey, what's that? What's that fishy blip on the screen on that VHS recording? Why, why is the Donkey Kong level not loading in a certain way? <laughs> mm-hmm. hmm. Yeah. Any, any last thoughts on that one? Yeah. Uh, I'm just waiting for the next story. It's, it's too good. I got to get more. It's some juicy drama. You guys love it for the drama. Hell- I like it. I love the video game drama. It's so good. And I like I like the cheaters being ousted. It's like justice has been served. Well, not even that. I usually like to see the analysis of the cheating videos in question. It's usually pretty interesting what actually goes into these. Yeah, like Tristan was bringing up the drag race one where they mm-hmm. did a... It's essentially, they built a task. Or not necessarily a task, but they, they, made, they made a program to play the game. And not even the program could beat. Todd Rogers' old record. So, all right. So our next story. So Yoko Taro, who's the director of uh, Near Automata, came out of PAX East and sort of talked with the fans in a panel about whether he wanted. There were just, just to preface, I guess they were talking about the chances of releasing a new game in the Near series and whether or not fans would be appreciative of a game with multiple endings or a game with, with a single ending. And for those who haven't played it, near Automata had 26 different endings at the end. A lot of them were like jokey endings. There were only actually three like true endings to the game. But uh, what do you guys think about single versus multiple ending games? Do you like it? Do you not like it? Uh, well, near Auto Tomato has a pretty uh, unique style of multi-ending game where you basically get multiple endings as you truly just play through the game. And those are the main endings, and then you have the bunch of joke endings, as you said. Uh, I think that a single ending typically works better. Uh, maybe sometimes you can have like a one true ending, I guess you could say. So maybe two endings is the, the perfect ending uh, dessert. Tristan? Um, I haven't played near... Oh, I'm not talking about Nier in general. I'm talking about just games in general. Right, right. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I haven't played Nier past, like, the first ending, I believe. But I've played a lot of uh, 999 and Zero Escape, uh, which basically has the same type of uh, gameplay style where you keep playing, you you try to get to the best ending. And I, I believe in those games there's, like, 30 endings or something as well. Um, I actually, I, I enjoy it a lot. Um, it's, it's fun to see how developers and the writers kind of piece, um, piece it together to kind of fit the gameplay, uh, features. Mm -hmm. The only issue I have is if you ever stop playing and take a break, it's very, very hard to come back and understand what you're, what you're supposed to do. Uh, I don't know if that's the case with Nier. Uh, no, you won't have that issue with Nier. Just in terms of how it's structured. Yeah. 
um, so I guess my take on it is I actually don't like games with, well, let, let me, there's two types of games I think with multiple ending. And I think that Nier did it correctly, while other games I don't like it because it's being frustrating. So a game where your choices affect your ending can be a little irritating for me because you always want, like, you always want that one ending. And if you don't get it, it just kind of leaves a sour taste in your mouth. You beat the game, you spent, I don't know, 20 hours, uh, and you just get the horrible ending, even though it didn't really, the game didn't really telegraph sort of what your choices were leading up to. Uh, I think Nier did it right in that most of the endings are just joke endings. And then the three endings that are like the main ones important to the story and important to sort of the overall theme of the game, everyone experiences those endings um, uh, based on the playthrough you're running through. So, uh, and when I, and you might be able to foreshadow this a bit. One of the games I didn't like the fact that I had the multiple endings was Witcher 3. And that's because you dedicate 85 hours of your life like me and you get the worst ending. And then you're like, why? <laughs> um, but I feel like it, it it just leaves a sour taste in the mouth if you don't get the ending that you sort of want. No, I think you brought up a, a good point. I think, you know, games can have multiple endings, but the, the playthrough experience can either be linear or not, right? So games like Mass Effect is a non-linear uh, game because it, after the ending, you're kind of done. But in, in games like Nier and Zero Escape... Um, the story is actually linear. It's just that the game has like, these breaks in between. And kind of going off what you said, Tristan, when you brought up Mass Effect, I think you've, I think after saying that, you've kind of honed in on what I'm thinking. I think a game with multiple, of uh, the single ending can be really good, of course, because it's a single narrative that they're focusing on and they know it's going to turn out exactly how they write it. I think a game with multiple endings needs to make it clear to the player what sort of ending they're, quote unquote, like, going towards rather than you get to the end of the game and it's I wonder what I did in the game and how it'll affect the ending like in Mass Effect if a player dies if one of your your companions dies you obviously know how it's going to affect the ending and there's no secret how it's going to affect the ending um, versus Witcher where it's just uh, I didn't do this side quest or choose this dialogue choice but I didn't know it at the time and now I'm going to get this ending even though I didn't know that this choice affects my ending Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the Persona series, they kind of do a similar thing where basically just one conversation, you just have choices to take. And if you pick the right set of choices, you'll advance to the right ending. And if you pick the wrong ones, you'll just basically get the bad ending. Uh, they've done that for Persona 4 and 5 now. So, I don't know. I, I don't enjoy that kind of style very much where it's basically just the ending is determined by one conversation only. Uh, everything else you do just doesn't matter. Yeah, and really simplistic ways kind of going earlier of, like, foreshadowing what ending you're going to get is, like, really early, like, KOTOR. Like, you had a meter next to your character that was, like, light side, dark side. And if Mm -hmm. you're on the dark side, you're going to get the dark side ending. And if you're on the light side, you're going to get the light side. And I think, actually, the worst ending was if you're in the middle. If you were neutral, I think the ending was really boring. Mm -hmm. Um, But anything kind of... Tristan, you have anything else to add on multiple single endings? Uh, no, I think I'm good. All right, so Alex, I just wanted to talk really briefly with you. What are some things that you might want to see replicated in a, a near sequel? Uh, 
I I just really love to see something else that they create, if, be it with same characters or most likely just new characters. Uh, the change from Near Automata to the original Near Gestalt is just vast if you've ever seen the games next to each other. So I, I'd be excited to see what they come up with next, if it's just like a s- small side story with maybe one or two of the characters, maybe the AI droids or something they're going to do something with. But, yeah, sky's the limit, basically, for Yoko. Do you think Platinum Games should come back and help them? Uh, I would love to see it as a Platinum fanboy. I, I'm always up for a Platinum Games title. Yeah, that's, nice. that's not on the Wii U or Switch, whatever's the new console. <laughs> PS5. PS5. Yeah, the PS5. Yeah. PS5 Super Pro. Super Pro. <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, we got one more story, and that's uh, so. Final Fantasy Fifteen has been announced that they will have a whole new year of DLC content. Jeez, um, it's coming, boys. So, what? Are, what are your guys? I mean, I, I've stated a lot. We two two podcasts in a row talking about Final Fantasy Fifteen, but what do what do you guys think about this? I, I didn't read too much into it because there were, the article had some spoilers on the the namings of the DLC, so. I tried to avoid that because I might want to eventually play Final Fantasy XV. Okay. Well, uh, I guess I'm caught by surprise, and at the same time, I'm not surprised at all. Uh, I'm surprised that they're doing a second season. I would think that they'd probably want to start doing something else, but at the same time, I can understand why they aren't going to do something else, because they're probably trying to recoup costs of uh, developing Final Fantasy XV over the like past decade, and the engine cost as well. Uh and I can understand the characters they chose for the DLC episodes. They're fan favorites in a lot of ways. Especially Noctis. Oh, yeah. Everybody loves Noct. Do you guys think that it could be some of the other big Square Enix projects right now are taking up a lot of internal resources, like uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake and Kingdom Hearts Three? That could definitely be part of it. I don't know how much the Final Fantasy VII Remake team has ramped up since they put out their big uh, hiring order, but yeah, I think Kingdom Hearts 3 is probably receiving a lot of their attention right now. They're probably trying to get that out. I don't even know. Is that slated for end of this year? Is it coming? Uh, it's, it's, it's slated for 2018, but with how many right. pushbacks and rumors and stuff that game has had, we'll see if that happens. Yeah, we'll see at E3 what they come out with. Yep, that would be yep. the big place, to, or Tokyo Game Show, I guess. But that would be uh, pretty late in the year. Yeah, that would be September, so that would be mm-hmm. like, by the way, the game's out next month, guys. You know, everyone would go crazy, but... It's gonna be at E3. They're gonna show Kingdom Hearts 3 trailer, and it's gonna say 2018 at the end, like the, the last slide. <laughs> and, then, uh-huh. and then there's gonna be like a jingle... And then there's gotta be a plus three that reveals itself. So it's actually coming out in 2021. <laughs> um, sorry, but back to Final Fantasy 15. Uh, my gut reaction is I'm really angry because I actually bought the seasons season pass when the game came oh, out. You poor soul. And I can't get all this stuff without paying more money. Um, mm. My joke reaction is I hope they turn this into like Ubisoft Rainbow Six Siege and they just keep adding stories. Uh, for every single character in the game. <laughs> That's what I was thinking, too. We're kind of seeing this thing where we're getting these multiple seasons from games, namely Final Fantasy XV, as we just saw, and then Siege, as you just mentioned. Uh, 
do we think this is going to become a trend for games where they don't release as many new games, but they end up just tacking on more and more content to existing games? I mean, I think depending on the game, yeah, definitely. It's think about how, like, what, how long are, have you guys played any of the DLCs, any of the new additional content for which game? Final Fantasy Fifteen. Uh, I've played like the first episode, like when it first came out. Do you guys know how long any of this content is? It's not very long. All right. So, yeah, definitely just going off that fact, I mean, develop, I don't know, five to six hours of content sell for $15 versus spend millions of dollars developing an engine and a new game and spending gears to make it. I think it just makes a lot more money. <laughs> and mm-hmm. honestly, players that like the game love to see new content for it. Yeah, apparently there's some Final Fantasy XV faithful out there that are still playing the game. I More power to them. Yeah, I actually want to see player stats for Final Fantasy XV. I'm surprised... player counts? Player counts? Yeah. yeah. No, I want KD stats, Albert. <laughs> that was one of my questions, was do you guys think that these decisions are coming out because the game still has a really healthy player base? Maybe um, with the new uh, PC version coming out, which I haven't heard amazing things about selling well. Um, but do you think that's fueling some of it? Is that they see it's strong, so keep making content? Or is, is it just one of those things where, hey, we can make a quick buck or two, and our other teams are busy doing other big games, so might as well have pump out some content with the remaining people we have? Yeah, when you say that, I think this might be basically their version of what they did with Final Fantasy thirteen, where they basically just used the engine over and over again for thirteen two and Lightning Returns. And this is just a different form of it where they're using the same engine for 15, but they're just not releasing a new game. They're just releasing episodes in the season pass setting. Yeah. Have you guys played the uh, the multiplayer expansion yet? Monster Hunter 15? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Have, you played, have you done that? Have you played around with it at all? Does, is that free? That costs no, money. It costs money. Oh, God, no, no. Would, do you think it would be fun with multiple players? Uh, if there's still friendly fire, then definitely no. <laughs> All right. <laughs> From what I've seen, it's like a very basic Monster Hunter game. I've not played it personally. All right, and that wraps it up for episode two of Viewport Relay. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Uh, Viewport Relay is currently only on Podbean, but we're appearing on iTunes, Google Music, and all your favorite podcast directories in the coming months. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to subscribe, review, and share it with your friends because it really helps us promote. It really helps us out. Smash that like button. Yeah, smash that like button, everyone. Uh, we're also on your favorite social media uh, as Viewport Gaming on both Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, what is this last bit? Do I have to say this last? Why Viewport Gaming, you ask? Yeah, why Viewport Gaming, Albert? Why Viewport Gaming? Well, Viewport Relay is part of Viewport Gaming, a gaming website that provides a look into video games through reviews, features, and podcasts. You can find all of our Viewport content at viewportgaming.com. As always, I've been your host, Albert Corston, joined by Mr. Tristan Jung. Uh, I almost said sup again. See ya! <laughs> and Alex Nestor. Bye-bye! We'll see you all next time. <laughs> <laughs>